Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnebley and Toth. So how, we, we need an update, Linz. How's dry January going? Well, you know, sometimes it's the intent more than <laughs> what actually takes place. Ah. Dry January <laughs> turned out to be, how to put this, not so dry. Not so dry. Prove more of a challenge. I thought of you a number of times when you when you said that uh, Nancy and you were sitting in the living room and Nancy just kind of looked around and said, this is a joyless living room. Yeah, there was no joy in Mudville <laughs> or in Glendale. And uh-huh. we finally thought, you know, for the sake of the marriage, yeah, we don't really want to have a bottle of wine with dinner, but... It just again for the for the sake of the marriage, the relationship, it would probably be smart to do that. So. Sure. What's the, so, uh, the the old country song? You ain't much fun since I stopped drinking. Since I stopped drinking, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was joyless. Yeah, you'll be happy to know that I've just been slugging him back. Um, we're we're getting ready for a cat uh, and I are getting ready for a trip to Thailand, and uh, actually, as of the recording of this episode, we leave tomorrow. Uh, so I appreciate the fact that you're recording a little in advance, so that um, so that we but can of course. we can do this. But leading up to the trip, it's been a bit stressful, and so every time I leave the house now, it's for liquor because I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not because proud of this, Lindsay. You know, it sounds to me, JG, like you're probably just not buying enough liquor. I don't know. The last time you and I and Cat. And Nancy did a Zoom cocktail meeting. We had Kat and I just had got back from the liquor store, and I think we told you we spent. I remember this. Yeah, a hundred eighty dollars at the liquor yeah. store. I was pretty impressed with that. Yeah, well, we're out again. That's not your fault. One of two things: we either need to, to buy more. Um, I think you or, need to be buying more and bigger so that it lasts longer, and that way you can say, "Well, it's it's been a week since I went to the liquor store." Either that, or I need to cut back on these Zoom cocktail meetings with you guys. Mm. Yeah, nah, I, I, I hate to see you yeah. do that. That's, no, I'm not that's just do that. not no. from a corporate no. 
perspective, that's just not smart. <laughs> that's that's true. You know, and that's the yeah. beauty of doing a podcast together. We can write off all the alcohol. And how many no, companies can say that? I don't know if we can do that or not. Maybe yeah. if we did a podcast about alcohol. There you oh, go. I, there's our next project. Don't you have a, isn't your good buddy uh, Jeff Davis, doesn't he have a podcast about uh, wine? On the Wine Road, yeah, which is, uh, he's uh, he's in Santa Rosa, California, and lives in wine country, and uh, is a, uh, he's he's got a degree, he's like a sommelier, or what, however you pronounce it, one of them fancy wine guys, right. and uh, he's uh, he's certified, and and does a really interesting podcast. And what's uh, what's the uh, podcast again? It's it's called On the Wine Road. I just wanted you to say it again so that now we can invoice him. Good thinking. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. I believe it's uh, in looking at the calendar, it's, it's your turn to go first. Am I right? Yes. Yes, it is. David Jose Diaz Moreno. Now, there's a name. Along with a couple of his uh, friends. Well, I, I think friend, maybe accomplices would have been As- a better way associates. to associates. Uh, yeah, yeah. Accomplices, associates. Uh, one whose name was Waldo Soroa, and the other whose name was Matrix Andalus. No. Seriously, what was the name? Matrix Andalus. <laughs> no, quit screwing around, JG. What, what was the guy's name? <laughs> I love the name Matrix. I think oh, that's, that's a awesome. cool name. Yeah. It was, um, it was, they came up with a plan in 2010 to burglarize a home right here in Florida in Silver Springs Shores in the great Sunshine State. Within this community, there was a rumor floating about that this mm-hmm. home could have been owned by a drug dealer. It was a, a very nice home in a, in a very nice neighborhood. And David and his pals thought this would make a great target. If it's a drug dealer, oh, we're going to find piles of cash sure. and, uh, and lots of blow. Um, obviously, if you're planning on breaking into the home of a person who you think may be involved in the drug trade, extra precaution should be taken. And so they spent a great deal of time planning right down to the detail how to execute, execute this burglary. Mm-hmm. David and his buddy spent time casing the neighborhood, as they say in the industry, uh, and the house. And they had a pretty good idea, they thought, on how to, uh, to pull this off. They felt pretty confident in their plan. They had noticed that there was rarely any activity detected in the house in the middle of the week. So the break-in, they planned, uh, was to occur on a Wednesday night. Okay. It, it was decided that it would take place on the evening of December 15th, 2010. Okay. So the night arrives, and they get into their car, and they slowly drive into the neighborhood and park the vehicle a block or two away from from the target. They turned the lights out, they got all their burglaring tools together, (laughs) and began the short walk to the house. Let me so interrupt get, right right yeah, here. Go, go ahead. If you're if you're a professional burglar, can you uh, write off your burglar and tools? Do you think? Yeah, I think you can. You know, I needed this crowbar for my job, so no, I yeah. think that that's a, a legitimate deduction. Anyway, go on. So they get to the house, and sure enough, it appeared to be empty. There were no lights on, no activity detected, and at the side of the house, they had noticed that there was a gate. And that this gate was normally unlocked. It appeared to be like an access gate for a gardener or perhaps a pool maintenance person or something. Okay. So they reached over the top and inside and unlatched the gate and uh, walked into the backyard. Now, in the back of their mind, this entire time, as understandably, uh, they were thinking that 
this guy's a drug dealer, the guy who owns the house. So right. th- this house has to be wickedly secured, as we say in Maine. Mm-hmm. It must be wired with state-of-the-art alarm systems and probably attack dogs and things like this. Sure. And so this, this presented a problem for them. Should they cut the telephone line? Now, they had done this in previous burglaries, cut the telephone line. And uh, that doesn't keep the alarm from going off, but the alarm would not be able to contact the police and it would give them more time to get in and and do stuff. As they're trying to decide whether or not they're going to cut the telephone line and just bust through a window, one of them notices, hey, the window over here is open. So they just popped the screen off and crawled into what appeared to be a downstairs bedroom because that's what burglars do they pop the screens sure so they crawl through the window they're in this downstairs bedroom the next thing they want to make sure of is that there are no dogs no dobermans (laughs) or shepherds that are going to eat them exactly but they hear nothing it's dead quiet there are no dogs at all so they cautiously enter the hall and they start as they say in the trade Case in the joint. I was just going to say case in the joint. Now, this, again, was a very nice home, and it was full of lots of things worth burglaring. They methodically go from room to room, and primarily they're looking for cash and drugs, but really anything of any value. And at first, they're horribly disappointed. They don't seem to find anything that they expected to discover. That's got to be a peculiar letdown if you're a professional burglar. That's that sinking feeling in your stomach when you're expecting to stumble across a, you know, sacks full of cash and right, right, and drugs and all kinds of stuff, and and that pit in your stomach where you realize, ah, oh, there's nothing here. Now, when can you determine that the burglar is in fact a professional as opposed to an amateur burglar? That's a great question. I've never because thought about that. once they burgle something, essentially they've added to their net worth so that would be considered professional right and if they haven't stolen anything then they're not a burglar at all right right questions like this keep me up all night sure they do so they get to the second floor and their luck starts to change in one of the bedrooms they discover what appears to be a substantial amount of of expensive jewelry and also they had started to notice that Even though there weren't stacks of cash and piles of blow, uh, there was a lot of high-end electronic equipment that they could essentially fence. Okay. So they collect the jewelry, (laughs) and in my mind, I picture them stuffing it into a big cloth sack with a giant dollar sign on the side. (laughs) Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's probably not what happened. It was probably something more like a backpack. Not a fanny pack, though. No self-respecting burglar would. No would wear a fanny pack. Absolutely. So they're downstairs. They've got the jewelry. They're using the living room kind of as a staging area. They're collecting the uh, electronic equipment. They're stacking it up and getting ready to take it with them. And they're still a bit disappointed that they didn't find the, quote, stacks of cash and piles of blow. But then one of the burglars makes a discovery. Go on. Inside a cabinet, they found two jars filled with either, they thought, cocaine or heroin. They weren't sure, but jackpot. So they grab the drugs, they grab the jewelry and the electronic equipment, and they make their getaway. And they make their way back to the vehicle. And again, in my mind, I picture them tiptoeing through the neighborhood with the sack over their shoulder, wearing like a Zorro mask. Exactly. So they get to their car. And they head back to their apartment. Now, there were two other people involved in this, but they did not participate in the actual break-in. 
There's five people all together. They get back to the apartment and all five of them are pretty pretty excited about their haul. They think, yeah, we're doing pretty good. They know they can sell the electronic equipment and make a pretty penny on that. And if the jewelry is all real, and it certainly seemed to be, right. it could be worth a small fortune. Sure. So they're pretty excited about it. Not to mention they've got these two big jars full of uh, Coke or heroin. <laughs> so they, they, they decide they're going to celebrate by you know, divvying up the drugs and having a party. So they take a big scoop out of the jar and they laid out some hellacious lines on the coffee table. Each one of them takes a turn snorting the lines and then they wait and geez, nothing seems to happen. It's really Mm. shitty Coke. So maybe Mm. we should do some more. That ought to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing. So they did some more and still more after that and still nothing so they they finally just gave up and they said this is shitty these drugs are terrible we're just going to sell it and we won't do any of it ourselves in a couple of days though the uh the burglary made the newspaper okay and so they're reading about this and it was then while reading the paper that they learned that the jars of drugs were not jars of drugs at all but two urns full of someone's loved one's cremains oh god Oh boy! In one oh boy. jar, in one jar, was the father of the homeowner, and oh. the, the other jar contained the cremains of uh, her two great Danes. So, her, <laughs> oh jeez! So it's no wonder they weren't feeling the effects. Uh, it wasn't of, coke; it was dad and dogs. They were snorting lines of grandpa. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! So then the discussion turned to, well, what do you think, guys? Maybe we should take this back. <laughs> maybe maybe there's some sentimental attachment to it. Yeah. I mean, they're burglars. They're not heartless. Right. But then they start thinking about the logistics of it and, oh, my God, fingerprints and stuff and uh, having to go back to the house. People know it's already been burgled. We can't break back in. That's too risky. So they just (laughs) threw the remaining ashes in the cremation in the cremation urns into a nearby lake. Oh, Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now, it didn't take long for law enforcement to catch up to these guys. And it was at this point that they learned what had happened (laughs) that these guys had tried to snort lines of cremains and where the urns and the ashes were deposited. They all faced multiple charges with one of those guys ultimately being sentenced to eight years in prison. Holy cow. Apparently had previous charges. And that story reminds me of something that happened in uh, 2018. Nine friends were backpacking. They were tourists somewhere, and they were staying at a hostel. Sure. And while they were there, a a package was mysteriously and mistakenly delivered to their room. It was in plain brown wrapping, and it came from a foreign country. And inside of it, of course, you know, you got to open it. It contained a mysterious white powder, and there was just a piece of masking tape over this pouch of powder and handwritten on it was just the word scoop. And so they thought scoop was like slang for cocaine, like yeah. blow would be. Yeah. And so yeah. they decided they'd divvy it up and, and do it. So they laid out nine lines, one for each of them. And then they <laughs> snorted it. And it turns out that scoop isn't a slang for cocaine. It's actually the name brand of a laundry detergent. <laughs> My source information, The Sun Sentinel, Reuters, The National Post, and CBS News. Nicely done. Scoop. 
You're in the shallow end with Schnapply and Toth. If you're over the age of 40, you've heard people talk like this. She totally changed her hair color, and it was like really weird. I'm gonna have a mocha latte with soy milk. It's upspeak and vocal fry, regular sentences that sound like questions delivered in that annoying grating sound. So I told him that date wouldn't work for vacation, and he just looked at me. It was so annoying. Scientists believe this phenomenon began in the San Fernando Valley near Los Angeles, and it's been baffling people for over two decades. We're here to help. We're Stuif, the school to end upspeak and vocal fry. At Stuiv, our eight-week curriculum combines intensive education and pharmaceuticals to retrain younger people afflicted with this terrible condition. Prices are reasonable and may be covered by your insurance. After graduating from Stuiv, your child will go from this. So we saw Avatar, the new one. It was like amazing. You totally gotta see it. To this. So we saw Avatar, the new one. It was amazing. You have to see it. Registrations open for spring and summer classes. Change your child's speech and life, and get back your sanity. Book a spot for your child today. Stuiv cannot change any voice that was raised in New Jersey, New York, Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Deep South, Texas, or parts of Hawaii. Stuiv, the school to end upspeak and vocal fry. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir to zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. We just had the pool drained and replastered with these stories... 
Isn't it beautiful? You're in the shallow end with Schnebly and Toth. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Jamie writes to us, uh, first off, love the show. I've been listening to Boo for a couple of years now, and I also participated in some of the Zoom calls with both of you guys. My husband is the one who has a crush on Anya, who uh, Nan, Nan. Your, your wife Nan McNamara plays. I remember Jamie very well. Yeah, in the um, uh, video game Gears of War. Anyway, I completely forgot about this for some reason, but, but I got my husband to listen to an episode of this with me, and uh, he said I should send y'all his shallow end moment, so here it goes. We've always had a cat, and it's always been indoors, so we've obviously always had a litter box. If you ever have a litter box, you know that every now and then it needs to be deep cleaned with soap and water, personally, Don dishwashing liquid because it's safe for animals. Well, my husband decides to clean the litter box one day and it didn't go very well. Uh Uh-oh. He thought on this one particular day that he would use hydrogen peroxide to help clean the litter box out. After doing this, the litter box started smoking. What? (laughs) And he's texting and calling me. What do I do? I have no idea what he's concocted. So we Google. So cats produce ammonia when they pee. Yeah, that's the smell I hate. Is that ammonia yes. cat yeah, smell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thankfully, my husband for my husband, they only produce a very small amount of ammonia in their urine because when you mix ammonia with hydrogen peroxide, you get quote a fuel and oxidant mixture which can ignite or explode <laughs> with very little provocation. Oh dear, I didn't Yikes. know that. Uh, This only happens when it's 100% ammonia and hydrogen peroxide of 60% or higher. Either way, a litter box should never be made to smoke. (laughs) (laughs) I told him to stick to Dawn dishwashing liquid uh, in the future so he doesn't quite literally blow up the house. Sorry, I know this was a bit long-winded. I had to tell you guys, hope the show goes on for a very long time. I'll be forever a listener. Jamie, thank you. Truly appreciate that and glad nobody was hurt. And uh, give it up for Dawn Dishwashing Liquid. Um, we got a, uh, an email from Casey who says, Hey guys, love the podcast. I was listening the other day. suddenly remembered a story from right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. I thought you would rather enjoy. To preface, I used to work for a clinical research company located inside a major hospital in the area. This fellow came in a few times to participate in studies. He was soon banned from our business after bringing a white coat, similar to that of a doctor, to one of the overnight study stays and pretending to be a doctor <laughs> to other participants. Oh, no. When he was asked to leave, he got completely <laughs> belligerent. Well, of course, who among us hasn't tried to impersonate a doctor and then been upset when the hospital asks us to... Amscray. <laughs> Cut to several months later when he called again looking to get into a study only to be told he was ineligible due to his prior behavior. He said he was already in the hospital and that he was coming in whether we liked it or not. We called oh, security wow. who located him and discovered that he had been living in one of the remote parking garage stairwells. I have no idea how long he'd been staying there. He was then banned from the hospital grounds completely. In the following weeks, he made several threatening phone calls, but we never took anything too seriously since clearly his cornbread wasn't done in the middle. (laughs) About a year later, he called to tell us that he had turned over a new leaf and was now a pastor living in the Philippines (laughs) and that he'd like to come back to do another clinical trial. Needless to say, he was not permitted to do so. That was the end of my interaction with him. But as you can see from the links to the main story suggestions, his shenanigans weren't limited to my place of business 
Can't wait to see if you can find any additional information. This kid is a hoot. And then Casey said, oh, she has, uh, I love, love, love all you guys, although Kat might be my favorite. Sorry, she's just fantastic. Flying my freak <laughs> flag loud and proud here in Knoxville, Tennessee, your freaky friend, Casey. Hi, Casey. And then Casey adds these headlines uh, from different stories. Man rescued from museum air vent has prior arrests. Stuck special <laughs> agent tells cops of secret mission. Okay. Burglars, burglar suspect. I was sent to defuse a bomb. Uh, special agent Illuminati badge. Man stuck on stopping exploding blue cow. We, and, uh, we really need to do an episode on this guy. This could be uh, one episode all itself where uh, this this gentleman is, is going to get the attention that he deserves. but Well, I think it's impressive that he lived in a parking garage stairwell while wearing a white coat. Yeah, How do you that's keep a, that clean? That's a very good point. Maybe he, uh, maybe he took great care to always hang up and, you know, properly mm, fold right. his doctor's coat. Um, before lying down in the before, urine. <laughs> before lying down, exactly. Because <laughs> your your point is a good one. I, I don't think of parking garage stairwells and think, those are usually pretty clean places. <laughs> so, Casey, no. we truly appreciate your email. <laughs> Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Uh, you are encouraged to write in with your critiques, criticism, stories, ideas, story ideas, all that stuff. Truly appreciate it. Uh, and you know, JG, when you were talking, when you were doing your story about the, uh, the people having broken into the house, yeah. when you first started, I thought, oh my gosh, is, is, is he, is he doing my story? Oh no. Because it's, you know, it, that's going to happen at some point. Turned, some, well, and I'm still waiting because you guys are over 500 episodes on box and you and Kat have yet to surprise each other with the same story. That's true. But. I swear when that happens, we need to do a we need to do a celebration of some kind with every freak <laughs> subscriber, <laughs> because that's going to be a you know, it was just a matter of time before this happens. Kind of a kind of a thing. Exactly right. We all know that calling 911 should be saved only for actual emergencies. Right. Um uh, to that point, in Saskatchewan, up of our friendly neighbor to the north, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police 911 call takers and dispatchers every year come up with a list of the 10 calls that missed the mark, as it were. <laughs> Number 10, in this case, they dubbed Memory Lane. A caller asked 911 operators if they knew the name of the polite RCMP officer who had served in their community. The caller was hoping for an update to see how the officer's family was doing, while well-meaning this certainly would not be considered an emergency. Number no. nine, hold please. 911 dispatchers received a call from a person who didn't want to be on hold after being told they needed to pick up paperwork at their local RCMP detachment. <laughs> Number eight, bad luck. A caller advised OCC operators they had swallowed a mosquito, choked, and lost their dentures, therefore leaving them unable to eat their supper. Number seven, you rang. An individual advised they needed assistance deleting a voicemail from their cell phone. Number six, this is not a prank hotline. An individual called 911 to advise there was a cougar on the loose in their city. When the call taker asked for details about the cougar, the caller laughed and said the cougar's name was Cindy. <laughs> in this case a cougar being a yeah. woman of a certain age uh -huh. on yeah. the prowl 
There you go. Number five, takeout troubles. A caller advised they purchased $65 worth of fast food only to find that their roommate ate the order. Oh, no. And they wanted a cop to come out and sort out the disagreement. (laughs) Number four, here, kitty, kitty. A concerned individual called about a hostile cat and wanted an RCMP officer to bring it to the local shelter for them. (laughs) Number three, a dispute at a clothing store. Customer upset with the manager of the store who refused to accept the return of already worn winter boots. Number two, got milk. A caller advised they were out of milk and wanted a cop to pick them up some milk at the local store. And number one, they called Scrub-A-Dub-Dub. A concerned individual called 9-1 to advise their bathtub drain was clogged and the water wouldn't go down. <laughs> so these are just some of the... just And imagine the calls that didn't make the top ten list. But it brings me to my actual story about uh sheriffs in jg's state of florida god bless florida florida is a continual seemingly endless source of uh these types of stories yeah florida and i'm proud to say arizona has got its share of uh people whose cornbread ain't done them in the middle as our (laughs) i've never heard that expression before but i really i really dig this well this is this is the story of sheriffs in polk county Florida, who arrested two burglars after one of those burglars called 911. The chain of events started to unfold around 1 a.m. in Kissimmee, uh, 20 miles from Orlando. You're actually not that not that far from Kissimmee, correct? Uh, about four miles. Yeah, yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Well, this was a, a Dollar General discount store had been burglarized and multiple items stolen according to the Polk County Sheriff's Department. So deputies were, were reviewing the security footage from the store, and they recognized a suspect identified as Martin Gonzalez Garcia, but authorities couldn't immediately locate him. But later that day, there was an emergency call to 911, but the caller didn't say anything. Uh-oh. It was just, it was just a, a, you know, a dead, an open line with with like room noise but nobody talking which yeah, as yeah. you know from a law enforcement perspective makes you think that somebody is being attacked injured held um, against their will held against their will but they don't you know they don't want to speak into the phone and and arouse suspicion of somebody who's in the home so of course they send deputies to the house immediately and it's very clear when they get there that the house is empty but they found an open door and just to make sure that everything was okay they go into the house where they found wait for it martin gonzalez garcia whom they recognized from this dollar general store uh security video and a woman named ashiles roldam oscasio described as uh the gentleman's girlfriend and after running uh you know checks on them they realize that that they have no business being in this house but gonzalez garcia was arrested for allegedly burgling that dollar general store and this unoccupied house so let's stop right there just for a moment Uh uh-huh why would anybody want to burgle a dollar general store (laughs) if you're gonna burgle Burgle yeah. a Macy's. A Macy's. Or, you know, I was going to say Tiffany's or something where, you know, right. you're going to get more than 
he's holding something in your hand and saying, hey, look, 99 cents and I got that's, it free. That's right. Yeah. That's worth going to the pokey for. They both are charged now with burglarizing this house. And this is where our shallow end moment comes. Because uh, Liz, the woman, admitted something very surprising. She's the one that had called 911 and not said anything from the oh. house. And she admits it. So, so <laughs> what? they what? understandably say, well, you're in the process of ripping off this house. Your boyfriend already, you know, burgled this, this dollar store. Why would you call 911? This, this is just priceless. I almost hesitate to, to give it away because what she says next is just the most jaw-dropping thing in the world. She said she called 911 for the purpose of having law enforcement assist her and Martin with moving their belongings from the house, the one they were burglarizing, and they were trying to get a ride to the airport because they wanted to go <laughs> they wanted to go to New York for the weekend. <laughs> They got things to do, Lynn. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, is that thought, asking too much? They, they thought, work hard. They need a little me time. Yeah, yeah. So they decided to call nine one one and and say, "Hey, can you help us move our stuff uh, oh into God. your car?" Because that's crazy. We're we're planning a romantic weekend in Manhattan. <laughs> so, according to the arrest affidavit, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my God! Gonzalez Garcia admitted he did commit the burglar at the burglary at the Dollar General store because he needed to get items to sell it to make money so they could go to New York. Uh-huh. He stated he did know that it was the wrong thing to do, but he really needed the money, and he knew the residence wasn't his, and he didn't have permission to be there, but. He just had to get inside to get out of the cold. And then once they realized there was stuff in the house, they took that too. And they just thought, maybe we get a ride to the airport from the nice sheriff's deputies. <laughs> the sheriff's office did say, we gave them a ride, all right. But yeah, it wasn't to the airport. It was to the <laughs> Polk Jail. And they are welcome to stay there all weekend long. Besides, oh said the sheriff with a sense of humor, we think our jail is nicer than the city of New York anyway. <laughs> I got this from theguardian.com and the Associated Press and the RCMP website. I love that. I guess it's it's uh, you know when we were raised our parents and teachers always said uh you know the policeman is your friend. Cops are your friend. You can you can trust them. They're they're there to help you. And right, maybe these two just remembered that and thought, well, <laughs> let's call nine one one. They'll 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 help us move our stuff. <laughs> Listening to the story reminded me of this nine one one call. Maybe you've heard it. it. It was making the rounds for a while, and I'm not sure if it's real or not. But it doesn't matter because it's hilarious. <laughs> I prefer to think it is real. Sure. Let's take a listen. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, um, my wife got attacked by a warthog real bad, and I need someone to come up with an ambulance and pick her up. Okay, sir, uh, can you give me your address? Uh, yeah, we're at 1825 Eucalyptus Drive. Okay, could you spell that for me, sir? Uh, I I'm going to drag her on over to Oak Street, and you can pick her up there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, uh, I want to uh, believe I, it's true. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that's fake. I'm not but, sure I uh, could do eucalyptus correctly on the first pass. <laughs> but Oak, yeah. Dragger, over to Oak Street. <laughs> I love the pause. <laughs> uh, it was beautifully delivered. Yeah, yeah. I want to believe that's legit. Well, again, thank you for hanging out with us uh, here in the shallow end. We we appreciate the company, and we are loving the shallow end moment stories that we're getting from from you guys. And again, we we encourage you to record them yourself yourselves and and send it to us. Uh, you don't need a fancy schmancy studio; just record nope. it on your cell phone and email us the uh, the file. And we'll start working these in at lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. We'll see you next time. Remember, it's important. Make good choices. Your life might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebley and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast. Give these boys a five-star rating and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Misuse of this podcast may result in serious injury or even death. Follow all label directions. This offer void in Fort Kent, Maine and Tucson, Arizona. And parts of Orlando. Don't ask. Just trust us. Okay, gotta go. <laughs>